1: Harlequins are champions of England. I don't think anyone would have said that six months ago, but Quinns edged out Exeter Chiefs in the most thrilling Premiership final of them all. Meanwhile, the Lions have finally landed in South Africa, but are they going to turn around and come straight back home again? The country is back in lockdown and there's a COVID outbreak in the Springbok camp. We'll look at the likely options ...for a tour that seems cursed from the stars. I'm Lawrence Delalio, and joining me today are Ruck regulars Owen Slott and Alex Lowe... ...plus a couple of very special guests, former Quinns Chief Executive Mark Evans... ...and Wallaby legend and very proud father Michael (laughs) Liner. An extraordinary weekend of rugby, all of which happened at at Twickenham, England's headquarters. Without doubt, the best Premiership final of them all. Um, We thought we'd seen the most amazing game the week before... Uh, the miracle of Ashton Gate, where Quinns came back from twenty-eight points to five down, and could they do it again? And yes, they could. Michael, I, I have to start with you as a as a father who's who's had plenty of amazing days at Twickenham, not least uh, winning the World Cup final there. <laughs> well, I mean, what was that? What was that like for you, watching uh, as as a you know as a Quins fan, but but more importantly, as a dad of, of Lewis, who had the most extraordinary game himself.
2: Yeah, thanks, Lawrence. And um, thanks for your kind words on the TV on, on Saturday as well. But it was, a, it was a really amazing experience. The last two weeks, you mentioned the Bristol game. I've never seen anything like that. And then to back it up on, on Saturday again. You know, and, and against two teams, let's be honest, they're pretty, pretty good teams. You look at the Bristol squad, you look at the Exeter squad, what they've achieved. I mean, amazing that a Quinns group that in, in January this year were, you know, couldn't win a game. Couldn't win a game for love of money. They looked unhappy. And to turn that around and do what they did on Saturday was truly amazing. A, a, a great bunch of people, I think. That's a, that's a really important thing first up. But as a, as a dad watching that, that was, that was an interesting experience, I must say. I, I was with a friend who we went down to Bristol to watch at the semi final. And I rang him on Friday and said, because we went to breakfast here in Richmond before, before we went down to Bristol. So I said, we've got to do that again. We've got to order the same stuff. We've got to do the same things all again. Very superstitious. But I must say, Lawrence, yes, I've done a lot of stuff. at You know, Twickenham, as I said, Twickenham's been pretty good to me over the years and our family. But, um, you know, Saturday was, uh, was the best day, um, my best experience at Twickenham, because there's something different about watching your son, you know, sitting there watching your son do something like that with a great bunch of guys and achieve something pretty extraordinary. Not him, the whole team. And... That's, that far outweighs um, you know me running around the pitch doing you know try to win stuff there was something something different and and much more rewarding and much more of an emotional roller coaster ride through the whole thing that that actually made saturday probably the best day i've ever had at twickenham and close to the best day i've ever had in rugby i must met closely followed by last week
1: <laughs> well listen congratulations and and Thanks, and also you know listen the the performance of your son and we'll get on to that later it, it's been quite extraordinary and I mean, I believe he's, he actually told, he's, he told his teammates that he was actually going to score in the right-hand corner. The only thing he got wrong was the fact that he scored twice in that corner. <laughs> not Just, just to make sure. But, just to, just make to make doubly sure. sure. But um, yeah. Mark, Mark, do we,
3: Hang on a sec. Can I just say, do, do we think that one day Lewis will look back on this and, and describe it as me just running around and doing stuff? <laughs> yeah.
2: much, probably, yeah. That's probably what he looks at it, how he looks at it at the moment. I don't know. He's, yeah. they say, yeah. That seems to be the way Quinn's played. Um, you know, they, they seem to be smiling and enjoying it all. And, you know, winning helps, of course. But they're really, um, you know, it's a cliche. You know, there's a culture and we play for each other and all those sort of things. But it just seems to be happening at Quinn's for some reason. And, um, yeah, he seemed to enjoy himself, that's for sure. Maybe not so much in the first half when he was making a couple of errors. But that, for me, was a great thing to be able to, as a young kid, just focus on the next job, no matter what happened behind him. Um, you know, a couple of mistakes are going to happen, but it's about not dwelling on them and getting on with it. So I was very pleased to see him turn a couple of errors in the first half around and and come back strong, as
1: did the team. Mark, Mark Evans, you're a man who's who's seen every single emotion at at, at this great club, Harlequins. I mean, just put that into context, and not not just the performance that we saw, but but as Michael said, you know they. Obviously, with Paul Gustard leaving, you know, they've given the young coaches their heads and just the way that they have turned things around. I mean, just to, they played Bristol last week, who finished top of the league um, in the regular season. They played Exeter Chiefs in the final, who finished second. Two of the best defensive teams in the country, uh, statistically. And they scored, what, the best part of 13 tries against those two teams in two matches. I mean, it, it, it's, just, it's just extraordinary performances. And, you know, where, where where's all that come from, Mark?
4: I'm not entirely sure I'm not in, I mean obviously i'm I'm still fairly close with some people at the club from the owners downwards but you know I'm not close to the playing department other than still mates with Danny and, and brownie and a couple of the old guys but you don't have to be too close to see that there has been an absolute transformation I was in I've got to be seen I'm a fan still you know it's been' I, I'm, I'm they there they're the team I follow I have a great emotional connection with the place. And I have to say, round about Christmas early, I was in despair. I, I, I thought we looked, we looked a rabble. And I'm, and I'm not, I don't think that's hyperbole. We, we we I watched every game and I just couldn't see where the next game was coming, where the next win was coming from. We didn't look to have any confidence. And And then, to be fair to the management and the ownership and the board, they made a really tough call because Paul Gascoigne hadn't been in post that long. And, you know, he'd gone, I think, sixth and fifth, which was not a disastrous end result. But there was clearly something wrong, and they recognised it. And I'm not entirely sure what it was, but the team didn't look comfortable in itself. And there were too many rumours coming out of the joint that told You know anybody in the game knew that something really wasn't right. So they made a tough call. They then, the, the interesting thing is why it's gone so well. What What is it that, that, that is this just part of a, a move, quite a lot of sectors for a more collaborative leadership? Because they've certainly they've certainly got that. You know, everyone's saying, well, who picks the team? And the guys, well, well, we, you know, we chat about it and we give greater weight to certain of the people in certain positions. But in the end, we sort of come to a, we come to an agreement and that's the team that goes out. And they haven't shied away from big decisions in selection. I think their selection has been pretty spot on all the way through. And and the last thing I say about it is that Mike's already alluded to it. I mean, people talk about culture a lot and it becomes a little bit of a a bit of a cliche. Uh, and it's hard to define, but you know when it's there and you know when it's not. And it wasn't. And it is. And you know that was one of I was watching with my son at the ground, and it was it will go down in one of the, one of the happiest days of my life. You know, and that that's not an ex- it just 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 a wonderful to go along with Bull from the week before. Um, <laughs> sorry, I nicked that from Danny Care. I think it's great. It's just just the sheer joy, enjoyment, and, and 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 the I'm so pleased for the owners who are just really really good honest people who stuck with it for. The best part of 25 years, I'm just, just chuffed a bits for them.
1: Alex, I'm going to come to you because you were, you were actually at Twickenham as well. I mean, a lot of people think because I played for Wasp for 20 years that I, I, I would be supporting extra Chiefs, but actually the reverse is, is actually the case. I, I love the champ, championing the underdog. Anyone who knows you know, me knows I've played in, in, in a number of finals where we were written off on many an occasion. And I just, was, I just thought it was an extraordinary performance from start to finish. I did question whether emotionally the performance at Ashton Gate, would, would, would they be able to lift themselves up again? Um, in the same way as England weren't able to do that in Yokohama, because it was almost like an All Blacks performance you know, against Bristol. Um, would they be able to emotionally do that? And clearly they did. The coaches you know, had, had a very quiet start to the week, you know, tried to just let them rest and recover almost mentally rather than anything else. And uh, two things that stood out for me, the ambition, of that, this Quinn's team. When you when you're in a, a premiership final against a worthy opponent, which Exeter Chiefs are, you get a penalty in the first few minutes of the game, and it's bang in front of the sticks, and it's about 30, 40 meters out. Difficult penalty, you still take it, right? You go three points. No, they didn't. They kicked for the corner. Not only did they kick for the corner, but Marcus Smith gave it everything and put it, you know, literally five meters from the line. Then they do they turn a a, a chief's strength into a weakness, which is you know less than one in the coaching manual. And and they go for the and they get the penalty try and then fast forward thirty nine minutes to the last minute of the first mm. half they got a penalty under the sticks they could have e- easily gone in I think it would have taken them slightly into the lead yeah. but no they go for they go for a scrum which clearly was the right decision in the ascendancy but by word that was a ballsy call and then and then Wilco Low scores this uh, beautiful try and and so. I think it for 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 all they play their ambition and their ability just they they're such a dangerous team. But having the courage of your convictions, Alex, to go for it, they they deserved it.
5: I, I completely agree. And we, we we spoke to Danny Kerr after after the game, who was just on, was was on cloud nine. And and I guess the question that the market asks, is the question we've all been asking over the last few weeks, is you know what has been that secret? And um, there have just been you know, little insights here and there. And one of the things that Danny said after the game was when they've got a collection of players with the talent that they have with, you know, with himself, with Marcus Smith, with Alex Donbrant, with Louis, with Tyrone Green, who comes into the team and, you know, and and adds a new dimension in place of of Mike Brown. He said six months ago, they were trying to be put into a box, trying to be forced to play to a a structure. And he said that actually when you've got those players with a belief that that was flowing through that team, you just have to let those players play the way that, that, that brings the best out of them and, and they they were just f- you know fully believing in that in that approach and that comeback in, in Bristol was was remarkable. There was a point in that second half when Sam Simmons had sort of got the game by the scruff of the neck and had, had dragged Exeter back into the ascendancy. They had all the momentum but Harlequin still had the belief and, and it needed a moment. It needed Marcus Smith to hitch kick find Louis and, and and off he zooms into, into the corner and, and it's just it it you, you can't put your finger on what culture is like mark says what, what belief is but they just had it they just knew it At leicester city when they won the Premier League they were they were surfing this wave and then it became can they can they keep their balance can they ride it all the way home and it felt like Quinn's were were riding that wave from really over the past six months and then those last yeah, the last two two games were, were just miraculous.
2: Also by contrast when Lawrence, she said they made those decisions, just one after another, Quinn's those really sit sitting there, take the three, take the three. You know? <laughs> and, and of course they don't. And, and Marcus's first kick, he smiled afterwards, he mishit it. He mishit it, but it came off for him and it was one of those days. And, you know, he was aiming for the five, but it went really close to the um, corner post. But, yes. you know, it was just one of those days. But in contrast, later on, and Exeter were doing the same thing, but then Exeter... Opted for the three points. I think there was probably about fifteen minutes to go or so. Yeah, it was very and they were on the attack. That?
4: I, I on the that... attack,
2: they, had they scored there, I think <clears throat> Queens were out in their feet, and they, they opted for the three. And I said to my son beside me, "I said, thank God they're taking the three. That's the result for Queens, yeah. and that turned out to be probably the difference. They 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 blinked first.
4: I couldn't agree more. They 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 had two, if you remember, Michael. I said exactly yeah. the same to my lad. Thank God they've taken the penalty. We we're, yeah. we're, we're gone." we within that nine points with 10 to go. I just can't see us doing it twice. And the first one they kicked to the corner, and they had a go, didn't get it. Then they got another one, and I go, I went yeah. to Matt, please let them kick it, please yeah. let them kick it, because it's only a five point. then only only they took it to get out beyond the penalty, didn't they? I think that's yes. They, I think that's what they did. Yeah. But, yeah, but, yeah, but
1: margins. Yeah, but it's. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you know we'd have both taken the penalties either side of well, the beginning of the game and, and just before half time. But I think it's a tribute to well, one that the set piece that and the journey that Quinns have come on. I mean, yeah, you know, to, to to take the line out in the first minute of the game and, and to to do an extra to extra, you know, shows that you you've got an incredible set piece. And then the scrum, which was let's be honest, it wasn't just that scrum. They marmalised them in the scrum for, the, yeah, for, most, for most of the game, actually. And, you know, Joe Marler got the, um, the Peter Deacon medal, um, which I thought was excellent because you could have given it to any one of those players. But, but actually, that summed up. But equally, Wilco Lowe was, was, uh, was giving Alex Hepburn uh, all sorts of trouble as well. So I was very impressed. Owen, how come, having chosen to watch Quinn's every week, uh, <laughs> because it's uh, less than a few miles from your house? Um, on, the, on, the, on the one game that you should have chosen, Quinn's. you actually chose to go up to Scotland and and, and watch the uh, the other game of rugby that was going on, on the weekend.
3: Yeah, uh, r- regulars to this podcast may understand that this is now the section where everyone laughs at me for getting it all wrong. Um, uh, yeah, so so I went to uh, I went to Murrayfield to watch. The, the opening and maybe the closing game of this lions tour but that 's another question <laughs> for probably later on in this podcast and uh well, that was fun, but um uh, I was watching the the score on my phone on uh it's, it, as I was writing my story from the from the press room and then later on uh, from um, following what was going on at Twickenham and initially I was going oh that looks quite that looks quite a good game but now I, I, i'm all right i am i am right up here but uh yeah quite quite quickly, I realized that um uh, I, I hadn't made the right call there, but do you, there's so, there's so much to, to to talk about this game, the, the Harlequins game. Uh, one thing that that struck me is we, we spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about the business of rugby and how, how's the, the the numbers gonna gonna add up on that. But geez, do you think that Harlequins are going to have a single empty seat at the Stoop next season if if people are allowed in? I've already had people saying, you know, do you know if I can buy a season ticket and that? As if I'm you know, head of sales there, whatever. But that that place will will will, will fill up because they're, they're such a great team to watch. And the, the other thing that, that we're sort of talking about is the whole rugby philosophy question about structure and, and formula, which was which was the the earlier Quins uh, under Paul Gustard to, to unstructure rugby, which is what what has prevailed. And m- many coaches, most coaches, tend to uh, eventually pump uh, structure and. Uh, and who, who knows if this is going to um, lead to a revolution or an evolution? But um, you know, Bristol on uh, Br- Bristol did try to do m- much of the same thing, and it wasn't as if there were slouches on uh, on Saturday either. Uh, it, it's an amazing thing, and I just wonder how the I wonder how rugby is going to look next season. I asked Danny Kerr about that after the game, and he said he said it's one of those years
5: where optional defence has won championships. When it's it's usually it's usually the coaches who put the onus on on defence. He said, "Yeah, this year it was optional defence, but but that's how we play." And and going forward, that is a you know, fascinating question. And Mark has been a DOR. Can they win multiple championships playing like this, or will ultimately <clears throat> things have to tighten because yeah, th- th- this you can surf that wave for so long.
4: I don't hundred percent agree that they're not quite structured because I'm such a nerd. I watch every game and you know uh, and uh, that they play and. They're playing some – it's great to watch. But i tell you what, it's – when you actually look at them all the time, they play in a very, very structured way. It's just with a lot of ball in hand. They they do a load of set-up plays with Marla off the first ruck, right? They don't drive that many lines. There's a lot of stuff you can say, yeah, they're going to do this here and they're going to do this here. They're going to kick to the corner. That scrum Michael and Lawrence were talking about just before half-time. I was screaming, scrum it, scrum it. You've got you got them, and it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a psychologically just before half time. It's such an important time in any rugby game, but I think they will play, try and play the same way. Uh, and I think the interesting thing is, you look how. And I was a, a I have to confess, back in the autumn during the Nations Cup, the rugby was absolutely mm. turgid. Oh, yeah. It was it was terrible. just awful. We're only eight months away from that. And most of the teams in the Premiership now mm. are playing, to a greater or lesser extent, some pretty attractive ball-in-hand rugby. I don't think the defences have become optional. I think it's the refereeing's changed. Yeah, it has definitely. Like the it, it, refereeing has significantly changed. Yeah. And it's interesting what's happening in uh, rugby league in Australia. Mm. I'm sure Michael will know. The scores have gone up there too. Um, yeah. And why is that? Well, it's because they've changed the, they've changed the speed of the play the ball. And what's changed in rugby union in English premiership is all, not entirely, but largely down to refereeing. The speed of the ball from the ruck is so much quicker than it was six months mm-hmm. ago. And that means defences are trying just as hard and they're just as well. They haven't become less organised. It's just more difficult that in terminal battle between offence and defence at the moment... Is weighted to the offense,
1: and let's not forget, as Mark's made the point that the referees have such a big impact on how the game of rugby is, you know, is perceived and, and how it goes. So, uh, so credit yeah. to him. But 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 this ruck speed is is a really interesting thing because I think now you know it's being refereed differently. I think the tackler um mm. and the ta- is is being moved away so so quickly now that it's almost become a. I play the ball almost as quick as rugby league in, in many ways and the, and the game is, is benefiting from that there's a freedom amongst all these teams just to, just to give it a go and, and, and Owen your point is, is relevant you know we're in, the, we're in the sport and entertainment business and people don't want to come and watch stuff that, 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 that's not, not exciting and now we've been given that over the last few weeks not just um, Quinns but Bristol yeah. and there's a number of other sides that play in that way you know we, we don't want to go back to what we've had before that's for sure Yeah. yeah.
3: Michael, a, a couple of questions with with his um inside line on on the uh, on, on on the on the most junior member of that team. So 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 first of all, I know you can't betray trade secrets, but but um you know uh, how has he been uh, since, since um since, since the? Have you seen him at all? Has he been alive? But but <laughs> but just secondly, and really what I'd like to ask is at the start of this year, Lewis was was struggling to get into the team, got the odd minute or two under Paul Gustard and that. And and you personally, you wouldn't have seen him play at premiership level, really, because he hadn't. So for, for a 20, 21-year-old 20 boy to, to move so fast from, from the ranks to playing such a significant role in two knockout games, it, it, I'm guessing he must have surprised you with how good he's been as well as he did everyone else?
2: So, first question. Uh, he's in good form. I haven't seen him yet, it doesn't surface. But um, Saturday night, Quinn's did it very well. They had sort of a family and friends uh, sort of barbecue and beer over at the stoop. And that was really nice. The players all came back there. And then, you know, Isabella and I came home with our other two boys. And he, he came home for about an hour or so. So that was nice to get to chat to him and all that sort of thing. But he's been, I mean, you can imagine what he's like. He's pretty. Uh, pretty excited about it and uh, I guess he's been from you know I think his his sort of journey over the last year I think's reflected Quinns a little bit reflected the team um you know it was a little it wasn't it didn't seem to be a very happy place and he was and he was sort of told oh you're so close you're so close keep doing it and then he'd never get picked and none of the other guy, young guys would ever get picked either for any you know so yet all the other clubs during COVID they were using their whole squad so you were getting a lot of Lewis's uh, sort of contemporaries and, and you know, um, from the underage stuff, getting chances and taking them and doing really well. And they felt like they were being left behind a little bit. And then they sort of got their chance when things changed a little bit in January and Lewis got his chance and he took it. And, and you know, he played six or seven games in a row and was doing pretty well. And then he started pulling up sore with sort of a groin, lower stomach, sort of back sort of injury. And and Quinns, you know, while he was still playing and not missing anything, they they Quinns actually... Um, managed him pretty well and pulled him out and said, right, we don't want that becoming chronic. We're going to pull you out and we're going to sort of rehab all that. So it was a very good management sort of decision. While, you know, you've got a 20-year-old kid who's, I oh, just want to play, I just want to play. But they pulled him out. It took a little bit longer to to get him better. And so I thought it was just a very good management choice. And then he's come back quite quite nicely towards the end and got a few runs in the lead up to the sem- the final
1: Mark, you, you talked about Quinns making some pretty bold selections mm. they, they also have one or two, I mean and listen I completely agree with that they also have one or two selections that were kind of made for them really yeah. which which may have in some in some way helped them and I don't I don't want to be um, I'm going to handle this delicately but I mean Mike Brown who's been an absolute totem for, uh, for for Quinns for so many years and and let's not forget his contribution to the overall club but actually I in many ways, by him not not being available for selection, uh, it's kind of changed a little bit of their of of how that back three have, have worked together. I mean, Tyron Green he catches the ball almost as solidly as Mike Brown, almost, almost, and, and then yeah. and then and then has got that ability just to see things that other that maybe Mike. Um, or, or, or any older players just wouldn't be, wouldn't want to see. Which is the, the first option is just to to find another attacker, normally Lewis, and, and go for it, you know. And and, and also that the, the other selection, obviously, is Will Evans, who himself was having a hell of a season, and then suddenly. Mm. You know, young Jack comes in and gives them not just a, an ability over the ball, but actually a few other options as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just think the, se- the selections, a couple of them bold and a couple of them almost forced on them, have all worked in their favour.
4: Yeah, i have been honest, when they, when they lost es- Esther Hayes and Brown and Evans, I thought that that was any chance they had gone, I'll be honest. You know, I'm mm. going to be wise after the event. Um, and Mike Brown was playing really, really well. And less, and also, to be honest, it's, it's, it's how these things change so quickly, don't they? Because I think most people would have said, you know, Foreman, the back three at Quinn's first choice, if everyone's fit, was probably Nathan Earl, who yeah. people, Mike Brown at fullback, and one of the other wingers, be it Liner or Murley or, and well, that says Tyrone Green hadn't had a run. I mean, he, he just—I kept saying, Is he any good, this bloke? I've never seen him play, mm. and of course, he turns out he's, he's quite—he's quite tidy. I mean, interestingly, long term, and I might maybe ask Michael. this, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Louis play at fullback, and and Tyron go back on the wing. I—I I don't think that's un—that may or may not happen. But I think, as I said, the selection's been excellent. The other you touched on, what I just wanted to mention is that I don't think people should underestimate how important Quinn set pieces. Mm. I mean, they're, they're like, they're, yeah, everyone goes on all, where well, they're not a great defensive team. I think that's partly the, the way the game's changed, as we said. But the other element of the game, which is the set piece, their scrum and line-out for the last, goodness, six months has been right up there. And nobody talks about Matt Simmons. Nobody. Doesn't, doesn't ever get a mention. Mm. And yet, their line-out's terrific, mm. and he and the scrum on the right-hand side is just fantastic. I mean, they obliterated uh, Bristol and Wasps in the scrummage. Everybody's talking all the tries, and, and quite understandably, and Marcus and Louis and, and, and Tyrone and people like that. The front five of Quinns, no, they leak they, they a lot of tries. That is true. But they don't lose many scrums, and they don't lose many line-outs. And when oh, I yeah. say I think they're more structured than people give them credit for, they put an awful lot of emphasis on their set-piece and I know people say defence wins championships. I've always said set piece wins championship. If you ain't got a set piece, you cannot win.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, Mark, just, I mean, both Quinns and Exeter going into the game at the final, both of them, the highest scoring teams straight from first phase, yeah. straight from set piece. So, you know, it's not just what, what it, what it does to the, your opponent. It, it's that ability to one, win your ball in key areas of the field, but two, to have the confidence to go for it straight from first phase, which has always been, a. I mean, it's, it's a, quite an Australian thing, actually, Michael. And it's always something that, you know, the the English have, have never really, you know, we like to be a bit more structured and go, we're going to go to this breakdown, that breakdown, and we might score two, you know, two phases later. But I think that that's, that's also something that's come in. When you get a strike option, why don't teams just go for it, right?
2: No, exactly. And, 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 you know, we we talked about the whole unstructured sort of way of Harlequins play, but there's some basics that have, you know, like the scrum and the line-out. They've got those right. They've got a tight five that's very strong. But the big thing for me is, if they want to play that way, they have to be fit, and they're really fit. I mean, look at Bristol last week. You know, unbelievably fit. Bristol out in their feet. Rope a dope. It was
1: rope a dope. Alex, just before we get on to the Lions, um, and we had a special man up there for, for us in at Murrayfield. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to discuss uh, where where that, that final leaves Exeter, because Rob Baxter was magnanimous, as you might imagine, in defeat. He's been there a few times before. He's lost a match that they probably should have won against Saracens when they came from behind. He obviously beat Was last season. He knew Quinns were going to be a dangerous side. Do you think he was a little bit shocked and taken aback by their ability to lift their as we all were, by their ability just to lift their performance yet again, or... And, and where do you think it just leaves Exeter very quickly?
5: I think he was more disappointed that his team weren't as as nasty to play against as he wanted them to be. He felt that every time they got a foothold, they they were soft on the restart, or they they didn't just they did, didn't show themselves. And, and if, during the week beforehand, he he said, "What we cannot do is get get sucked into playing a game that Harlequins want to play. We will win this game through control." I think Sam Sim said it. We'll win it through control. Set piece, you know, Harlequins matched them and, and and as Mark said, absolutely beat them up front um, in in that set piece battle, um, and so they had to try and play that way, and, and and they couldn't even when they had that control in the second half. So I, I think he, he was disappointed more in his own team uh, for just not grabbing the the occasion by the scruff of the neck in the way that that they are used to doing. But I wouldn't be at all surprised if they're not better there next year, and no, 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 no. they'll roll they'll roll on and and they'll improve. <laughs> And they will, they'll take a pretty painful lesson from, from that final, but don't bet against them not being in it again next year.
0: A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: There was another game of rugby played up at, at the weekend in Edinburgh. Of course, it was the Lions tour opener against Japan. Having waited so long for this tour to get going, it's in danger of of, um, of being uh, sort of a cursed tour before before it even started. Not only have um, the British Lions lost their captain, uh, Alan wynne Jones, to injury, dislocated shoulder in in, in in the first half of that game, and also lost Justin Tipperick, but they boarded a plane last night to um, Johannesburg um, at the same time as the country is being taken into lock four, uh, level four lockdown by uh, the leaders there. So, um, Slotty, as, as our man on the ground, I mean, first of all, the Lions got off to a fast start, but you kind of felt the mood just dropped instantly on the, on the uh, sight of Alan Wynne-Jones clutching his shoulder and going off the field. I mean, very, very sad moment for him and for the Lions. And, and what? You know what, what was the mood up there like after the game with Warren Gatland?
3: You know, it, it wasn't um, it wasn't as funereal as, as you, you might have expected. So so when when um, uh, Alan Wynne went off, he, he didn't make it into the eighth minute. I mean that's that's pretty awful, isn't it? Um, uh, for him, uh, very very sad. He didn't make it the eighth minute, so he goes off, and, and the way he was carrying his uh, his left arm, it, it it looked quite likely that it was a, a tour-ending injury. But then at the end of the game, he 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 was assisting uh, the stands, and after the final whistle, he came onto the field, and he didn't he didn't look um, down as downcast as, as the, the the news would would uh, what we suspected the news would su- suggest. And he was shaking hands with people. He didn't have his arm in a swing, but he just had his left hand tucked into the pocket of his tracksuit. So uh, he he lifted the, the trophy that they gave to, for the game with his right hand, obviously. But but. But he was talking to people, and it wasn't as if people were were, were embracing him and hugging him and, and saying, "You know, poor you." It was, to be honest, he, he obviously knew at that stage exactly what, what had happened. Uh, I, I, th- I think it, it's his sort of the, the, the final um, compliment to 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 him as a as a Lions player, in, in that he, he he could have had his his head down and and felt that his his sort of rugby life had come to an end, which you know maybe it kind of has, but. But he, he he carried on and in, in, in sort of kept spirits high, and he didn't mm. he didn't drag people down with him. So I I was really impressed with the way that he carried himself in that respect. But yeah no, that, that that doesn't um uh that doesn't mean that the Lions haven't lost their captain or mm. and a totemic player and someone uh, who was you know very 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 important for a, a test that he was against the Lions.
1: Uh, Alex, you. you... I mean, this this tour is it's got to be now. Without sounding too dramatic, we like to ask all the hard hitting questions here on the on the Ruck Podcast. This this tour has got to be under threat right from the start, hasn't it? I mean, level four lockdown, total alcohol ban, closing schools, and a curfew from from nine pm to four am. There's a COVID outbreak in the Springboks camp, three players testing positive. I mean, it it, it feels like things are getting worse in hmm. South Africa just at the wrong time can I just um, say
3: that they're thinking of lifting the, the alcohol ban for the traveling
1: media um, oh, well I was going to say how, how could you even possibly contemplate going out to South Africa <laughs> and leaving your hotel with a full-scale alcohol ban I mean it's uh, I mean in all seriousness it, I mean it, it, it has to be under threat and whilst the players can be given reassurances and their coaches etc that you know <laughs> they have got family loved ones friends you know at home and. It's a very, very difficult thing to, to go into a country that, that's clearly a long, long way behind the UK um, in, in terms of how it's dealing with this pandemic. And uh, I'm very optimistic, as, as you all know, ever the eternal optimist. But I, I have to say that I think there'll be some serious questions because, I mean, they, they'll land you know, to, to this news that the country just going into a level four lockdown.
5: When they accepted or decided to stick with, with going to South Africa, they did so knowing the risks that, that one case could derail the whole thing. You only have to look at, at um, the cases that have popped up in European Championship squads and players. Players getting COVID when they think they're in a in a pretty tight bubble. If the, the schedule in in South Africa is so tight that one case inside one of the team bubbles could could wipe out a match, two matches could wipe out the series. They've known that from when they committed to going to South Africa. But as you say, Lawrence, the, land, the Lions are landing to a country that's with, with a tighter lockdown. The Springboks are due to play on Friday against Georgia, but are all, all of their team are in isolation. And just a further detail which came out today: that um, although the Lions is permitted to go ahead by the government, only people, only those required to play in the match are allowed to the stadium, Into the stadium. Mm. So if we get as far as the Test series, there will be players who won't have played for three and a half weeks because of the—you know—they're not involved in, in the Test matches. They're not even allowed out of the hotel to go and support the team in the stadium. There will be players going stir crazy in, in in admittedly fairly nice hotels, but they can't go out, they can't have a drink, they can't even leave the, to to watch the to support their mates in in the test matches. It's going to be an incredibly difficult series to win. It's going to be an incredible difficult series for the players to and the, and and the management to manage and get themselves through. And if we reach the end of it, having played all eight games, it will be an incredible relief. and and Something of a surprise, I think.
1: Well, Michael, you can't, really, you can't really call it a tour, can you? I mean, it's not a tour. I mean, and there's now no, even, no. even even the, the notion that actually they may end up playing every single game in Cape Town is, is what's, what I'm hearing is being discussed at the moment because clearly that is the lesser of, 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 of their COVID issues. But I mean, it's, it's just, I can't even imagine what it must be like as a player to, to, to have that prospect ahead of you for what is one of the greatest rugby teams in the world.
2: Lawrence is almost bordering on cruelty, what they're doing to these players, you know. You know um, and I, that, that was the question I was going to ask around this tour because it's, it's unique, it's got its problems, you know. I'd like to ask Alex and Owen, you know, whether there was any consideration given to Alan Wynn, whether he was going to stay on as a non-playing captain, given that, you know, it could have helped the squad and being an, a player. Or, a, I just thought that that might have been an option they might have looked at because of the unique nature of this tour.
3: I don't know if they if that was discussed, Michael, but I yeah. suspect it, I suspect that it wasn't because um, there is an outside chance that that Alan Wynn could have been fit for the first test if mm. um if, if his shoulder recovers at sort of best speed, then they said that the first test would have been when he would have been able to play again. Mm. You, you think how the Lions carried. Sam Warburton through the last Lions yeah. tour in order to get him fit only really for the second test. So the, 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 there was they decided no, we're not we're not going to take that gamble on on bringing you yeah. just to see if you might be ready for that. Let's just let's just call it quits now. And I I, I suspect that's probably the right thing. I suspect yeah. the Lions will yeah. have to
5: be bracing themselves for some tricky questions if this does go wrong because they had alternative options. They had the offer of going to Australia. Mm. There was the option of staging the series here. Both of which had uh, had opposition, but I think both of which were preferable to playing a, a series behind closed doors in South Africa, particularly if if the whole thing ends up being derailed. They'll have some pretty tricky questions to answer about why they weren't a bit more creative, threw a bit more weight into into trying to find safer alternatives. More by safer, I just mean you know with, with an increased chance of, of success of completing a, a series without it being derailed by by COVID and, and <coughs> at least having some fans in it. yeah, you know, we're not there yet and yeah. goodness, we hope it gets, we get through the series and every game gets played and there as wonderfully richly entertaining as, um, as our final was on, on Saturday, but they're just, as Lauren says, it, it, it looks tricky now.
1: Well, I, th- I think there's this very, very difficult to navigate a 37 slash 38 man squad with probably twice as many support staff i mean very very tricky to navigate that safely around south africa and keep it covid yeah. free if yeah. you're travelling in you know from destination to destination i mean i just don't understand how you can even attempt to do that i think they've got to stay in one place now and they've got to play every game in that in in that city whether that's cape town or whatever decision they choose to make because i think anything Other than that, and I don't see the tour lasting really. I think they'll end up having to come home because it clearly shows that doesn't matter what reassurances you're given by the South African government, and I'm sure they were given many in in their desperation to get the Lions tour to come to South Africa. But it's it's now it's now out of control. I mean, the South African government have got far more pressing things on their mind, which is the rest of the nation, let alone the game of rugby. So. uh, I, I'm, I have to say, I fear, I fear the worst, and yeah. uh, you know, it could it could be over before it even starts, really. And if I was Warren Gatland, I'd be asking those same questions: Are we going to be moving, and and do we actually want this tour to go ahead now? Yeah. And uh, it's, it's 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 really really tricky. Um, I
3: think I think we got to the yeah, point no, with this tour um, where where we're asking why is it going ahead, and is it actually going ahead because the financial implications of it not going ahead. Are what are, 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 are too great? I mean, is are they just tied yeah. into contracts to makes it too expensive to make, make a sensible decision? So uh, I, I suspect that 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 is it. But the mm. players still want to go. I mean, they're, they're still going, but but they they must have a, a huge concerns themselves.
1: And gentlemen of the of of the press, I mean, are you, are you still wanting to go? I mean, you, and when yeah. are you going?
3: What Lawrence? Are you asking if I'm looking forward to spending six weeks? In a hotel with Jonesy, where we can't even have a glass of red wine. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> My god. that
1: was that was the most stupid question of the run. <laughs> um, now, listen, chaps. Uh, obviously, we we will be reporting much more on uh, uh, on both the Lions tour and and it, all the other things to do with rugby. But uh, I want to. I'm not going to ask for a god or goddess of the week, but uh, maybe a moment of the game would be. Um, would be the most appropriate, really, and um, I mean, I'll I'll leave you to last because you'll have to think about this because you you haven't actually you weren't actually there. Um, and, and Michael, um, you know, don't be afraid to indulge us if it was one of your one of your two sons' tries <laughs> at the weekend. I mean, as if he wasn't happy enough to score one, he scored two. Um, but uh, if there's a moment in the game, Alex, if I start with you, what, I mean, what, what was your moment of the? In what is the? You know, listen, I was lucky enough to play in five finals. This, that was the greatest final I've ever watched, uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, very happy to, to concede that it was incredible. Um, what was your moment of the game?
5: We have we've mentioned it already, and it and it, you know, for all the the great play and the tries, I the 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 moment that springs to mind when you ask that question. Was Marcus Smith's first kick to the corner because it set the tone for everything that followed. It set the, the, the it, you know, it, it proved that Queens weren't going to this final and were going to sink into their shell. They were going to play with the ambition and the sort of the free spirit that, that they had got them there, and that just set the tone for everything. And, and what it did, um, and one of the things we haven't mentioned yet was there were only ten thousand fans in that stadium, but it sounded like it was packed, mm. and it was and it just triggered everyone to get onto their feet and and a try followed and then and then extra score soon after and the noise in that stadium was was wonderful and it was full of there were no passengers there everyone was there supporting a team and it just made me think that you know when when we get that stadium full again a lot of people go to Twickenham and they take it for granted that they have been invited there by somebody and they rock up and have an expensive lunch and you're just there for the experience and I would just hope that we, you know, games like that and, and days like that can, w- w- when we get that stadium full again, it'll, um, you know, people will, won't take it for granted and, and they will, they'll enjoy the occasion as much as those fans did on Saturday. And actually for me, that the trigger for all of that was, was that first kick to the corner, which as Michael mm. said earlier, was about six inches, the right side of the flag in the end, but it just set the tone for everything that followed. Mark,
4: it was after the full time whistle and, and, and you know, incredibly happy we one, won, et cetera, a wonderful game. And I, I couldn't help it. I turned to my son and said, I really hope they get Mike Brown involved at this now. I said, this would just, if they get this right now, there's a fantastic, because look, there's been damage from what came before the last six months. I mean, I, I, as a club, I don't think anyone would want Scott Baldwin to be going now. I, I don't think anyone would want Mike Brown to be going now. You know, they're, they're, you know let's not sugarcoat that either. I, I, said, I said to my lad, I really hope they get Mike Brown involved in the ceremony now because you know that wasn't well handled and it would go some part of the way to you know the way we want to be as a club and uh, when he they brought him out with Alex and um, Stephen and he took he was in the middle in the in the, the 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 money shot you have every year of the cup being lifted I thought that was just classy that was my favorite moment
5: but then, but then he stuck out the side yeah and, that, and, I thought, and he
4: dealt with it brilliantly too and he, yeah, he, you yeah, he could, could see he was really grateful, very, very happy. But And then he went to the side and said, but I didn't play today. That was the yeah. subtext of that. I thought, I thought the whole moment just was handled beautifully on. Classy.
1: It was classy, wasn't it? It was yeah. very classy. Um, yeah. m- Michael? There's
2: a couple for me, so bear with me. Um, <laughs> my first one, my first one, Marcus Smith's conversion of Lewis's second try and his first and one from the sideline on the other side of the pitch. Unbelievable. I mean, for a young kid to come up and just kick. It didn't ever look like missing. And I thought that when he kicked um, the conversion to actually um, get nine points ahead, I think, after Lewis's second try, I thought that, that was extraordinary. But the one before that, where he kicked to get um, 33 to 31 up, um, extraordinary performance from Marcus Smith all around. But that was special.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, other ones, just quickly. Um, Lewis's first and second try. I must admit, proud dad moment there. And um, after the game, to see him come over and the first people he hugged were his brothers.
1: I thought that was pretty special as a father. Well, I, I think. Stop uh, it. I'm weeping
3: now. I, can't I think I it. know. I'm weeping. <laughs> I mean, I, I have to say, I
1: I, uh, I think him embracing you uh, and and, yeah. and you know after the game um, was pretty special too. Yeah, um, uh, that was my next one. It may. It may. <laughs> It made me reminded me of my own mother because who who supported yeah. me throughout so many games uh, and would would yeah. have had the same feelings as well. But but actually, just taking it back to the rugby, as, as, a, as someone who's been in that battlefield many many times before, I thought the moment that Exeter chose to go for goal and mm. kick a penalty, I thought Queens had got them. You know. <laughs> I yeah. really, I honestly yeah. thought, I thought, it, I mean, you can say it was a mark of respect, but I've watched Exeter Chiefs all season. They haven't done that ever. No, right. No. They've kicked for the corner, even when they're when they're three, two, three points up. They they're so gung ho. Um, at times, I'm, I've almost looked in disbelief thinking, why don't you take <laughs> the points? But for them to do it in a final, having not chosen to do it all season, suggested to me that they were feeling the pressure massively. And for once, they made the wrong decision and not the right decision. And I genuinely, and easy in hindsight, I thought, Quinns are going to win this because, you know, Mm. five-point difference is not enough in this game. If it's not enough in the first minute for Quinns, it's certainly not going to be enough in whatever it was in the 60th minute. So I thought it was some some magical moments. Uh, They really, really were. Um, Gentlemen.
3: Well, hang on, set. What about my favourite moment?
1: No, 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 you don't get to have one because you weren't there.
3: (laughs) My favourite moment of the game... Was when my phone finally said full time, because I've watched, I'd been watching this thing and going, Ah, oh, uh, Don Brandt try, Liner try, Liner try. I'm just going, Please stop, I can't take it anymore. And <laughs> finally, the phone said full time. And went, Thank God for that.
1: Listen, my thanks to, to Alex Lowe to to, to you Owen uh, in particular, as well as Mark Evans and of course Michael particularly for giving up your time. Congratulations yeah, to all thanks, you Twins fans out there. It was just the most magnificent way to be treated on on Saturday. Uh, The Ruck returns next Monday. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review. And you can subscribe on Acast, iTunes, or your usual podcast provider.
0: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.